during his 2015 presidential primary race, a day after the San Bernardino shootings in which a married Islamist couple shot and killed 14 people, Donald Trump said he wanted, quote, a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States until our country's representatives can figure out what the hell is going on. In January 2017, when Trump came to power, the so-called Muslim ban was introduced. Trump signed an executive order banning the nationals of seven predominantly Muslim countries from entering the United States for 90 days. All Syrian refugees were banned indefinitely, and all other refugees were banned for 120 days. Although the ban hit some constitutional hurdles, a slightly watered-down version came into effect in March 2017. When Biden became the Democratic nominee, he pledged to repeal the Muslim ban on his very first day in office. And, true to his word, on January the 20th, 2021, he did exactly that. You're listening to Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Cody Combs. And this week, we're looking at how the repealing of the Muslim ban will affect Muslim refugees. When the Trump administration introduced the executive order, it was titled, Protecting the Nation from Foreign Terrorist Entry into the United States. The amended version that was passed in March 2017 included additions of North Korea and Venezuela. Supporters of the travel ban rebuked the label Muslim ban due to non-Muslim countries being on the list and pointed out that the majority of Muslim countries were not included on the list. The Muslim ban was, from the start, so obviously discriminatory and racist. It sent a message around the world that our government is discriminating against Muslims. So it had terrible repercussions uh, around the globe. And then it also um, prevented families from uh, reuniting. That was Chris George, the executive director of IRIS, a Connecticut-based group that resettles refugees. The nature of IRIS's work changed four years ago due to the policy. When Trump's executive order came into effect, many families were split. Many elderly parents, spouses, children, and siblings were unable to reunite. Mohammed Jama is a Syrian refugee who fled Idlib and now lives in Lebanon. He was directly affected by the Muslim ban near the beginning of 2017. We were summoned to go to the U.S. and we decided to go. That was during Obama's presidency. I requested that my brother go with me. I added his name because our two families will be together there. After some time, things went well and we were accepted. The procedure was complete and we were ready for the flight. Everything went well. We were given a training course about the U.S. care system and the number of states. Thank God everything was well. We were very happy because the U.S. is the land of freedom, the land of democracy, the land of education. The U.S. offers several opportunities, cares about education and humans. They scheduled my brother's flight to the U.S. on the 9th of February. When Trump's term as president started on January 20, 2017, everything was halted. But my brother had already landed in the U.S. Then Trump issued an executive order. The order was issued after my brother entered the U.S. Mohammed stayed in Lebanon since then, waiting for some hope that he and his family will be able to join his brother in the United States. Something that for the first time since 2017 feels like it may have a chance of coming true. 
Isa Aldaban is from Syria and has a similar story. I came here, you know, that I came with the Trumps. I didn't see America before Trump. I came in the election day. Like my friends told me, this is not America. We was better than now. Isa lives in Connecticut and has spent his time in the United States working as a security guard, gaining a diploma, and hopes to go to university to study accounting. I have two brothers and my sister and my mother. They have like uh, cases to come here before me and my brother. And they pending for nothing. They, they are done with everything. But you know, when Trump uh, stopped all, uh, no more refugees to come to US, they ju- just stuck there. And we, they was there from uh, 2012. So many people like them, they have uh, the United Nations choice them to other countries like Canada, England, uh, uh, Australia. They take like the process, take uh, maximum like when we, one year. Before Trump came to power, the U.S., like many other countries around the world, took part in resettling refugees. This usually tackles a small fraction of the number of displaced people in the world. In 2020, over 26 million refugees were reported by the United Nations Refugee Agency. A quarter of those are from Syria, where the war has been ongoing since 2011. The U.S. under the Obama administration had resettled, you know, not an enormous number of Syrian or Iraqi refugees, but, you know, it was, I guess, a total close to around 20,000. And then suddenly the ladder is pulled up and virtually zero, I mean, very close to almost none, Syrian refugees have come since Trump was elected. Trump introduced a new immigration ban in 2020 to limit immigration to the United States for the rest of the year. The intention was to protect the U.S. population from the economic fallout of coronavirus, prioritizing Americans for jobs. Critics in the Democratic Party, as well as those in the American Civil Liberties Union, accused the president of pandering to xenophobia. Could these accusations have spurred the Muslim communities in the United States to vote for Biden? Layla Ali works for Muslim Women 4, a North Carolina-based grassroots organization. I think it's just a a testament and I think a right response to the, the huge numbers of, of Muslim Americans that went out to vote for him and, you know, the organizations and community leaders that stood um, behind him um, and worked super hard, you know, hours and, and days and weeks and months to get, um, you know, our communities out to vote. But it's also something that I think is a good start and a good first step to seeing more progressive um, overall immigration policies and um, hopefully reform. Uh, here in this country as we're seeing like the different types of packages that he is revealing that has to do with immigration. And I think this for a lot of me personally, I wasn't affected by the Muslim ban. I wasn't, I'm not um, from uh, one of the countries that were listed on the Muslim ban, but I think it has affected Muslims and Africans and immigrants in, in very different ways. And especially for those that were directly impacted, allowing them to hopefully be reunited with their families um, or be able to travel more freely and just not having that, you know, constant fear of what happens next. Um, and this like roller coaster ride that I think the Trump administration has kept us on for a very long time. Isa feels there is an added benefit Biden offers him. I think I am happy the first thing because 
this year I will I will be becoming a citizen, and I am glad to have to become a citizen with the president. I know he doesn't hit me because from my uh, religion or my country. You know, Trump, he said about the refugees, he said they are terrorism and they come here to do something bad. And he just judge other people with like, not personality, just from what he think. So I am glad to become a citizen with this president. We have a president who doesn't judge us from our colors or religion or where we come from because you cannot judge all the people like two billion uh, Muslims in the world because like small group do something bad. For Layla, this attitude is what needs to be addressed. President Trump often criticized immigrants. On his campaign trail in 2016, Trump said of people crossing from Mexico, quote, they're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I'm sure, are good people. He promised to and started building a wall on the southern border to prevent immigrants and refugees from crossing. Layla wants to see a change in the attitudes towards immigrants in the United States. I'd love to see, you know, folks in Congress really put um, people first, put people's lives first, um, and our communities and, and um, people at the center of their work and their policy changes. I'd love to see, you know, this package that was revealed and sent to Congress be, be passed and not, again, a, a game that, uh, you know, elected officials play with people's lives um, and their futures for, for their communities, for their families that have been here for years, um, for the 11 million undocumented folks that, are, to, that live in fear every single day that they get a knock on the door or have to drive their, their children to school or to the doctor's office, something more permanent, more sustainable, more lasting that protects them. And never again do we see something like the Muslim ban, ever again. The U.S. allowed the Muslim ban to take hold and kept it in place for four years. Leila Ali does not see Biden as the resolution to all problems at hand. I think that time and time again, um, when it comes to different administrations that we have experienced as Muslim Americans, um, you know, as immigrants, I think that there is a lot of promises that have not been kept throughout the way. And I think not enough has been done for our communities and our people to make sure that we are protected, to make sure that we are safe here and abroad. This repeal of the Muslim ban that we saw um, and, and, you know, President Biden's decision to do that is great, but we also have to realize and, and understand and recognize that undo the damage and harm that has been done to the folks that have directly been impacted by this ban. You know, it, you know, for the folks that were, were denied uh, visas, um, you know, their applications have been denied or have to go back and, and have them be reconsidered. They lost so much time and opportunity to, you know, get the health care that they need to be with their families, to go to funerals, weddings, whatever else. But so a lot of damage has been done and this doesn't really reverse it. But it is, again, a next, a good first step. For Chris George, he and Iris can get back to work. For Iris, we will return to what has been our core work for most of our existence, which is resettling refugees. We have the resources uh, and the capacity to resettle more than 500 refugees every year. That's what we did in 2016, 530 
We can do that again. We should be doing that every year. Connecticut should be welcoming a thousand refugees a year. That is nothing for a state of 3.3 million with all of the resources that we have. So this is what it means for IRIS. This is what it means for the refugee resettlement community spread across the country. We'll be springing back into action and um, welcoming persecuted people from all over the world and helping them start new lives. This is, this is one of the best things that our country does. The U.S. has welcomed immigrants since its inception. The Statue of Liberty famously sports the words, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Although Biden's repealing of the ban makes little difference in practical terms in a world beset with COVID-19 travel restrictions, for the people who have been longingly waiting to reunite with their loved ones, it offers light at the end of a four-year tunnel. Oh, well, they're elated. I mean, imagine being separated from, uh, from members of your family for, uh, for four years. So they're relieved that their loved ones are going to be able to join them. And then on the other side, refugees who have been sweating it out in refugee camps or running from one safe house to the next in the dangerous uh, war zones where they live, there's now hope that they'll be able to leave and, and have a life in a, in a safe place. Issa's mother is in Jordan. She's been waiting to see her son again for four years. Sad when Trump become president. She said, I, I think I will never see you again. And now they send me that Biden will be a president. We hope and we pray to get together soon. You've been listening to Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Cody Combs. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe. And if you have a minute, we'd really appreciate a review. Thanks this week to Chris George, Mohamed Joma, Issa Aldabon, and Leila Ali. This week's Beyond the Headlines was produced by Willie Lowry, Mahmoud Rida, Aisha Khan, and Arthur Edison.